Good morning to each one again this morning. It is good to be here and, and worship with you again. We were gone last Sunday. We were in Pennsylvania spending some time with, with family up there, and that was good, but we missed you all here, and it's, it's good to be back. So, <clears throat> The message that I felt led to share this morning isn't necessarily a New Year's resolution message or anything like that. But yet, as I studied and thought about the message, I did feel like there was a lot in it that challenged me. And I hope to apply these things even better this year than I did last year. I was blessed by what was shared already this morning. Brother Joe, in sharing his devotional, asking a few questions, and, and they coincide almost perfectly with what I felt led to share on this morning. What is my level of compassion for the lost and hurting? How well have I shown compassion to them this past year? And am I going to do any different this coming year? And what am I pouring on those wounds The title that I gave the message is, Ye Are the Light of the World. I want to continue looking at the Sermon on the Mount this morning, and we are ready for that part where Jesus calls us and says, We are the salt and the light. And I want us to think about what, what all that means. You know, What would it have been like to be there on that mountain and listen to Jesus teach I know there were many people that were interested because there was multitudes, there was many people there. And how did he go about teaching this? Did he just share this as an illustration and go on, or did he expound on some of this? Just things that were going through my mind as I was looking again at these verses. So I invite you to Matthew 5, and we'll be looking at, um, for the first part at least, um, Verses 13 through 16. Verses that are very familiar, but yet I, I find them challenging to actually always apply them. And it's not just me applying them. It's me allowing the Holy Spirit to work through me so that I can be what God wants me to be. Jesus says, ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. So Jesus says that ye are the salt of the earth. What does this mean? How are you, how am I salt today? Of course, our mind goes to what is the purpose of salt? What is it used for? And one major use that we use it for is the flavor that we, that it gives to the food we eat. 
without salt, some food can be very just bland, right? One food that comes to my mind, I guess it's food, one snack, is uh, popcorn. Probably most of us enjoy it. Some people don't, but I enjoy popcorn. But without salt, I don't enjoy it very much at all. It's quite bland. Salt gives or helps to enhance the flavor of food. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. If it was because they'd already used it and it was on the product, the meat. Yeah, I don't know if they added any more or not. Right. It's quite possible they didn't have to add any more. Well, that is another thing that salt is used for. It's used as a preservative. The Bible says we are to be seasoned with the gospel, with the salt of grace. What will this cause to happen around us? It would mean that our thoughts, our affections, our words, our actions would all be seasoned with grace. Verses in, a verse in Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your speech be always with grace, which is speaking of favor or kindness, seasoned with salt, which is tasty, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Is my speech always flavored with grace and seasoned with salt? How do I respond to others? How do I respond to my children? Mark 9.50, kind of a similar passage to parallel to what we read here in Matthew. Salt is good. But if the salt have lost its saltiness, wherewith will ye season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace one with another. So salt is good. We are to have salt so that we can season and have peace one with another. So this is what we are to be. This is how we are to act as salt here on the earth in the way that we speak, in the way that we respond, relate to one another. What type of a savor, what type of a flavor are we leaving behind? But if we have lost our savor, Jesus says, or our flavor, we aren't really good for anything. You know, unsavory meat or food can be... um, given better flavor when we use salt. But once salt has actually become unsavory, it is just good for nothing. And Jesus warns about that, that we don't become that way. Are we useful? Can God still use us to flavor this world? You know, some other uses for salt. Salt can help heal wounds. And... It's kind of interesting that Brother Joe referred to this this morning when he asked about wounds. What do we pour on a wound or on someone else's wound? Do we use salt? Hopefully not in that 
incident or for that circumstance. But I remember my granddad, when he would hurt himself out on the farm, cut his hand or whatever, and there would be a wound, he would just pour on salt, put on some salve, wrap it up, and he was good to go. It might not be what Delmar recommends, but <laughs> that's what that's what worked for him. If it started to show a little infection, well, he just needed a little more salt, and it would it would help to heal. It would help to draw out, I believe, the the infection. Um, that's at least what I was was taught, and and I believe salt is used as a has a drawing agent in it. So how does that correlate to us? Are we like salt that can help to heal those that are hurting. We don't want to to hurt people by the presence of salt, as, as Brother Joe shared. You know, we don't want to come across that way. But are, are we a healing, healing agent in that we care, in that we really do try to understand and, and help? And as I mentioned, salt has a drawing effect. Do we draw others to us or do we repel others from us? Salt also causes us to get thirsty or animals to thirst. If there's too much salt in in our food, we become extra thirsty. So how can we use these different examples to have an effect on those that we meet in the world. Can we cause others to hunger, to thirst after righteousness? Earlier here in this um, passage of scriptures in Matthew, Jesus says in verse 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Do we cause that to happen? Do we cause others to, to thirst for God, for what he has to offer? Is that the type of salt that we are? It's my understanding that some of the salt that was used, or, or a lot of it that was used in the Bible time, came from the Dead Sea because it was fairly easy to access. Not all of it came from there. But the salt that they did get from there had quite a few impurities in it. It wasn't very pure, and so then it would lose its saltiness or its effectiveness quickly. And here's something else that I found interesting as I was studying and thinking about the possibility of us losing our savor in this world, not being the salt that we are to be. And it goes like this, that it is possible in the land of Judea, we have proof, possible for salt to lose its savor, we have proof from Mr. Mondrell, who, describing the valley of salt, speaks thus, Along on one side of the valley toward Gibble, there is a small precipice about two men's length, occasioned by the continual taking away of the salt. And in this, you may see how the veins of it lie. So speaking of the salt, you can see it going through the, the soil there. I broke a piece of it, of which that part that was exposed to the rain, to the sun, and to the air, Though it still had the sparks or, and particles of salt, it still looked like salt, it sparkled and so on, yet it had perfectly lost its savor. 
because of the exposure that it was had to the element. But on the other hand, the inner part, which was connected to the rock, retained its savor, as I found by proof. So we, as Christians, who has lost the life of Christ and the witness of his spirit out of his soul, may be likened to this salt. So if someone has lost that, can be likened to this salt. He may have the sparks and glittering particles of true wisdom, but without its unction or comfort. Only that which is connected with the rock, the soul that is in union with Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit, can preserve its savor and be instrumental of good to others. I thought that was so interesting and correlated so well with the thought of being sought. You know, just trying to be sought and do good in and of ourselves isn't very effective. But if we are connected to Christ, if we have the Holy Spirit indwelling, dwelling within us, then we can be a sought that draws others, that has a good flavor in this dark world. So as I was thinking about this, the importance of being 100% pure salt, which we can only be through Jesus Christ. It's the only way that we can be effective. And if we aren't, if we have impurities within us, it makes me think of the church that Jesus talked about in Revelation 3, 14. We need to be pure, unlike this church that was lukewarm, that we're familiar with what he says about that here. Revelation 3, 14, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, and I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. As I mentioned, we need to be pure, and we need to be connected to Christ so that we can have that true flavor, that true savor that Jesus is talking about there. Because if we don't, we are just not very good for anything. He said to be that salt that has lost its savor is henceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out, to be trodden under foot of men.
Jesus also said in this passage in Matthew, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. And we like singing that song with the children. Often children like it. This little light of mine. And we do all the motions. But do we really think about what that is signifying? Are you a light that others can look to? That others can can see Christ shining through. You know, we understand some about how light works, that light can overcome the darkness, and that darkness really is just the absence of light. So wherever there isn't light, there is darkness. And there's a lot of darkness in this world, we think, spiritually. God would desire that we are a bright light, shining brightly in this dark world. We are familiar with the comparison that scriptures that's used in Scripture a lot of light versus darkness, light meaning the good, darkness representing evil, such as in John 3.19. And this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world, and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And we see that just so true even now. So many people like the dark. They like to try to hide what they are doing. They don't want to get caught because of the evil that is in within them, the evil that they are doing. So how can we be a light in this world that is so full of darkness? Obviously, we need to be connected to the correct source. And we were reminded of this yesterday afternoon up in south of Newmarket there. Late in the afternoon, all of a sudden, the electricity went off in the house. It got dark. Well, it wasn't totally dark because it was not totally dark outside. But we had lost our connection with the source that that light needed to stay on. And one quickly realizes just how dependent one is on electricity when you don't have it for a while. But how dependent are we on Christ, on God? Are we connected to Him? Or do we just try to go throughout life being a light on our own. It doesn't work at all without being connected to the source of that light. John eight twelve. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So we can be a light as we follow Christ and are surrendered to his will for our lives. I want to read a few other verses that speak about the source of life, light. And we had these in our Sunday school lesson just the other Sunday. In John 1, verse 4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. It did not admit, it did not receive it. This darkness didn't. 
The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light. So this is talking about John the Baptist, right? I skipped over verse 6, so on verse 7. John the Baptist came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So I think we can clearly see there that to be a light in this world, we need to have that connection with Christ. And in verse 12 it says, but as many as received him. If we receive him, then he gives us power to become the sons of God. He gives us power so that we can be that light that he wants us to be throughout this coming year, throughout the rest of our lives. In John 12, 35, Jesus says, Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed and hid himself from them. So again, telling us to, while ye have light, while they had light, while Jesus was with them, they were to believe in him that they may be the children of light. And that's exactly what we need to do. We need to have that belief and trust and faith in Christ so that we can be this light that he calls us to be. I believe we understand that we don't create our own light, but rather that the light comes from God. I think these verses clearly pointed that out. We are to be a reflector, I believe. As we behold the glory of the Lord, we then should reflect that light. And this makes me think about, think about Moses when he came down off that mountain after spending time up there with God. The children of Israel didn't even didn't want to or couldn't look upon his face because it shone so brightly from the glory of the Lord that was still reflecting off of him. He needed to veil his face. And I wonder, can the world see Christ in me? Is it reflected in my life? Off my face? Is there a joy? that people can see? Is there something different about us as Christians that draw people to us, that people can see God in us, through us? You know, it's very important that we don't allow anything to come between us and the Lord's light so that we can clearly reflect that to those around us. And hopefully it's not wrong to, to use the, the idea of being a mirror for, for this illustration about being a good reflector of Christ. And as I thought about that, I thought about, about a mirror. How many of us like to look in a mirror that is all fingerprinted up and smudged up and use that? It's just not very pleasant, is it? It's always nice to have a nice, 
clean glass to look in. And it reminded me of back years ago when I used to haul silage with a silage truck. In the morning when you would get in, if, if the windows are all dirty and the mirrors are hard to see in, it's, it just seems wrong. It's just hard to, to think that you're going to do a good job that day. I, always, I often like to, to clean the windows and, and the mirrors so that you could see well and see clearly. You use your mirrors a lot for backing around, and so it's important to be able to see clearly. But as you would go throughout the day and running through the dusty fields and so on, the windows and the mirrors would get dirty again. And as you were driving along, you often didn't really think about how dirty they really were. You just kind of adjusted to that. And unless they got splattered directly with the, with the silage from the, from the cutter, you didn't bother to wash them the rest of the day. But by nighttime, it was getting somewhat hard to see, but in some ways you just didn't really think about it. And I had to think about our lives. You know, we start out our Christian life all nice and clean, and we can be a really good and clear reflector for God. One that, so that others can see, see Christ in us. But sometimes throughout our lives, there's smudges and and things that get in the way so that we don't reflect God's light the way that we should. And I feel it's very important. I know it is. And, and God's word teaches that we examine our, our lives, our hearts, and see whether we are continuing to be a clear, a clear reflector, a pure reflector of Christ's light. So that we can truly reflect God and be that light that he calls us to be. <clears throat> How can we expect to be a good light if there's something that we are allowing in our life that God doesn't want to have in our lives? 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. <clears throat> Philippians 2, verses 14 through 16. It says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. You know, here if the Philippians were to be a good testimony in their community, Paul is telling them to live this way, to not have murmurings, to not have disputings, to be blameless and harmless. They needed to be a, a clear, bright light and not allow these other things that we are tempted to, to allow to get in the way. And that's a challenge for us today too. 
to do all things without murmurings, without disputings, to be blameless and harmless, to be without rebuke in the midst of this crooked and perverse nation where we shine as light. You know, I find it amazing how that in, a, in this world, many people around us know how we as Christians should live, how we as Christians should respond to situations that we face. And they know if we don't respond correctly, they are observing us and making note of that. So how, how are we doing? How are we reflecting this true light that Christ has called us to? Do we murmur? Are we blameless? Are we harmless? Are we without rebuke? I hope, I trust that we are. But those that work around us, those that interact with us from day to day, know whether we are. 1 John 1, 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And in Acts 26, 18, Paul is talking to King Agrippa and telling him what God had told him, what God had told Paul to do. He says, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance and an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. So that was what Paul was to do. Open their eyes and point them to Christ. And so then, what is our purpose of being this light? We look there at Matthew 5, verse 16. Jesus says what it is. He says, let your light so shine before men. Let it be this pure and bright light that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It isn't so that you and I receive glory and praise. But we are to be this bright light that cannot be hid, that others can clearly see, so that others will glorify our Father, which is in heaven. How have you been doing? Have you been a bright light for the world around you? Have I been a bright light? And what is my desire for the coming year? Is it to be sought and to be light so that others can be drawn to Christ because of the, the sought and see Christ in me because of my reflection of him? Let us remember to be fastened to that rock as it talked about in that illustration of that salt so that we truly can have that flavor, so that we truly can be that light 
that God has called us to. Let's stand for prayer. Dear Lord, we again pause here.